On this week's Thoughts from the Shade, we'll respond to a couple of callers on the spot in the Shade line. We have another tweet of the week. The Eagles moved to 3-0 and with a dominating win over the Bucks on Monday Night Football. It was a crazy weekend in college football. We have bones to pick. We have flowers to give, and we'll wrap the show uh, with more winning picks. Welcome back to Thoughts from the Shade. It's number 104. I have 103 written on my notepad, but I'm pretty sure it's 104. A few things off the rip administratively. uh, Very excited to announce that the number one podcast sponsor in all of America, in all of the world, is back on board with Thoughts from the Shade, and that is Menard premium detailing in Warminster, Pennsylvania, ceramic coating, paint protection film, window tinting, any auto detail needs. Uh, If you're a car buff and you're not getting serviced out in Warminster at Menard, you're doing it wrong. So thank you to our great friends at Menard Premium Detailing for supporting the show. You can catch them uh, on social media at Menard Premium Detailing and at Menard Premium Detailing detailing.com uh follow the show on x on instagram i did a little uh spur of the moment instagram live at halftime last night venting uh, about the eagles offensive woes uh, and shortcomings in that first half at tfts pod and shout out to the maniac who had us on with bet parks doing college football last week uh, and mick from the sam boners jumped in as well, wherever you're listening, hit the follow button on Spotify, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, and leave us uh, a five-star rating. I'll bring in the man, my partner, Bomb. We're 3-0. and How are you today? It's a wonderful thing, man. Just just never a doubt with this, with this football team. It's just a beautiful thing going into these games and never having a, a worry at all. Never a worry at all. Yeah, I think I think last night was was the first time that I felt that uh, throughout the course of the game. But before we break it down, uh, we did cover a few topics last week uh, that got some people feeling some type of way, some type of way enough to dial in and leave a message on the spot in the shade line. We always want to hear from you guys. We're leading the show with it because we have the best listeners and followers in the land. Uh, the number is 215-385-5164. You got a pick. You got a bone. You got something on your mind. Leave a message here. We'll play it on the show and respond. Let's get to our first call uh, responding to last week. Hi, this is Frank calling from my parents' basement. I'm calling to rant about a guy named Mike Missinelli, or as I call him, Mike Bitchinelli. There has never been a more talentless act in the Philadelphia sports market media. He stinks. He's not on the air anymore. So what does he do? 
He only has one option left. Become a wacky, loony liberal. A play right out of Keith Olbermann's book. Mike Missanelli is a geek. He's a bum. He's a douche. I don't like him. And I hope his podcast sinks. All right. Have a good day. All smiles. Wow. Uh, I don't know (laughs) where to start. Wow. With that one, uh, I won't agree that that Mike is a a talentless hack uh, and one of the worst in in the Philly sports media. I know he's not on the radio anymore, but I think if you ask the broader Philadelphia audience uh, if they would take him back on FM radio, they they would love that compared to what's out there now. So I'll I'll disagree with that part. Uh, And the other, I'll say no comment. Uh, We talked about Mike on Twitter Last week, uh, he's a free man. This is a free country. You can say how you feel. Uh, I take uh, the, the comedy out of it, and uh, that's about it. Wow. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. I mean, I'm a miss, I'm a miss guy. You know, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of, of the uh, politic hour with Mikey Miss, but I, I always enjoyed his, his sports takes. I, I'm interested. I mean... Clearly, this caller has great taste if they're calling in the TFTS, and I, I take it almost as an honor that they're that they're this much of a miss hater and they're dialed in to thoughts from the shade. So I appreciate it. Appreciate the fact that you know you think that we bring the uh, you know something above and beyond a legend like Mike, and uh, that's really all I can say. I'm not gonna. I can't take a shot at Mike because he he allowed me to just talk on and on about Carson Wentz's personal life. The tides are turning in the the waves of Philadelphia sports media and TFTS as it's swimmies on baby. Let's go. Uh, Let's go to caller number two. Hey boys. I figured I would chime in on some of this uh, tobacco road debate. You know, I hate to call out a couple people here, but start with you, Jake. Start there. You know, I personally think that people are automatically going to have a tendency to dislike courses that they play poorly at, right? So just a quick throwback to, you know, I witnessed Bombs 82. I was right there. And personally, I remember showing up at that place and thinking, man, this this just looks different. Like It's totally different from anything you've ever played before. And I think I started my round bogey, bogey, double bogey and went on to shoot 78. But so here's the thing. I walk off 18 and I think this great, this place is the greatest course in the world. First four holes, I wish they'd blow it up. Like it was awful, 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 awful. But it's how your, your mindset can change uh, based on, based on improvement of play. So I would bet the house that if G came home and said, Oh, I shot, I shot 81. I beat bomb by one. He'd be worshiping at the altar of strength. Now, the other thing to bring up is Bomb talks about this 82, and, you know, what he fails to mention is that this guy built his bachelor party around Mike Strance because of his 82, and then went down to Caledonia and True Blue and got absolutely bullied. That was a footnote in the past, and I think we need to bring it up because for being a Strance guy, he sure as hell didn't show up when it counted. I'd like to hear your thoughts, guys. Thanks. A quick footnote on Bomb's Adoration of Mike Strantz, uh, the golf architect. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if I alluded to it on the show last week. I feel like I did, but we played 
Tobacco Road, we played Southern Pines, Pine Needles, old Donnie Ross, Tobacco Road, Mike Strantz, and then we played this Legacy Golf Links. And obviously, I played, shot the best score at, at this Legacy joint. And even before the trip, some guys that had been down there were like, oh, well, Legacy's probably the worst one you're going to play. And they're not saying it in like a, a terrible way because obviously the other three are, are big time. Um, but like, yeah, that one's easily number four out of the four that you're playing. And then like, I'm in the car ride home, like the, the, the 10 hour day traveling back up to the East coast. And I'm like, man, I really, I really like that legacy place. Like I'm thinking about the weekend and you you see these famous golf courses and then you play like legacy golf links in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. And I'm like, that place was great. Like I might put it up, you know, up from number four, but I think the bias is that, uh, we had some success out there. So definitely a fair point from the caller. Bob, I don't know if you want to address, uh, the comments that were made your way. Yeah, there's a lot of haters. I mean, you know, to sit here and, and hate on bomb for, for not shooting an 82 at my own bachelor party golf trip. I mean, that first of all, Number one, it's a tall ask to be the groom on a on a golf bachelor party trip and be the guy that's going low. All right, so let's let's just let's just call that what it is. Secondly, there were a lot of we'll call it external circumstances that precluded Bomb from going low. Uh, we don't quite yet have enough listeners on Thoughts from the Shade to pay my salary. Your boy Bomb was on two days of PTO, Thursday, Friday, into the weekend, and had the had the PTO on the calendar for many months. Everything set to go. And my biggest customer worth hang on, let me let me just check. My biggest customer with a market cap of $468.2 billion needed to get on the phone with Bomb again in the midst of Bomb's bachelor party. So your boy Bomb <clears throat> had to take on his PTO customer calls from the golf course. Now, those of you who sneak out and 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 are work from home guys and, and and play golf while on conference calls, you know how tough it is, particularly when you're leading the call. Okay, so what did I do? I wasn't a Debbie Downer. I wasn't a stick in the mud. I didn't say, guys, guys, I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to stay back at the hotel. I have a I have a conference call. No, you know what I did? I took it like a man. I took it like a professional. I stayed off the sauce. I executed the call. But, I mean, I'll give you an example. One of the calls, it it was supposed to happen at this time. Then it got pushed back. So it would have happened by the third hole. Then it happens by the sixth hole. So holes one through five, you're thinking about the damn call and how you're going to tee it up. Not the golf ball, how you're going to tee up the call. And then hole six and seven, you're on the call. Of course, you're playing like a dickhead then. Hole eight, you're decompressing from the call. Hole nine, you're an asshole. You finally get to the turn. It's time to relax, have a drink, and play golf. So 
You know, these guys, they sit here and they take shots. Oh, he's 82 at Tobacco Road. He didn't do it on his bachelor party. Number one, the groom. Number two, I'm out here making sure this economy is humming. Okay, I gave you the Lions last week. And we'll talk about the picks. I gave you the Lions. I told UAW, get back to work. Take the free money. Your boy Bomb is on scheduled PTO. He's still grinding it out. That's the kind of guy I am. I can't imagine that that was the only uh, external factor, extracurricular activity going on uh, at a at a bomb bachelor party. Um, but like you said, TFTS isn't paying the salary, so those stories are sacred, and we'll leave it at that. That's right. Uh, we'll thank we'll thank those guys uh, for the calls and encourage uh, more whenever you feel the need to blow off some steam, uh, rip on us. Or, or anything else that you've got. Uh, tweet of the week. We started with Mikey Miss last week. Uh, I have to go to another topic that we covered last week that has been making ginormous waves in the NFL world, uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, NFL on Fox, at NFL on Fox, Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown in the second half against the Bears in the absolute route by the Kansas City Chiefs. Taylor Swift is seen going nuts in the box with Mama Kelsey. And somebody at Fox captures uh, this video, the footage of Taylor celebrating and the touchdown. And the caption on the tweet, Taylor loves it in the box. And I saw it was reposted by John Kincaid in 97.5, and he said, who the hell would write this caption? And I thought the same thing, John. Uh, And if you're on X, I encourage you to go to the tweet, check out some of the replies, and have a few good laughs. Uh, Hopefully nobody lost their employment over that caption, uh, but certainly stood out to me uh, in the midst of this brand new romance that has captured the sporting world, the pop culture world, uh, the entire country. Um, It's taken it by storm. Any thoughts, Bob? I mean, I gave you my thoughts on the last app. I think it, I think it works, Uh, you know, and, 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 uh, there were a lot of people that were doubting it, doubting it, saying he was clout chasing this and that. No, dude, this guy's a baller. This guy's this guy's a beast. You know, he 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 came up with this uh, method to get 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 her attention. And uh, <clears throat> you know, my personal favorite. It, first of all, this stuff, like I mentioned last last week, right? Like it's, I guess it's interesting. Um, I, I guess it's noteworthy, but like, can we, can we dial it back a bit? Like it, it's just, there's so many articles that are being written about this. In my opinion, the two, so, so then I, I naturally gravitate to like, what, what's humorous about this situation as, as did you with the, with the tweet. There's two things that I find just fucking hilarious about this, uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift situation. Number one, uh, they get him the football. He scores the touchdown to go up 40 with a PAT pending and she is in the box going off like they just won the Super Bowl. Like, like at some point, if you live in Chicago and you're a Chicago Bears fan, (laughs) 
At what point do you question why the fuck you're even watching this dog shit franchise with a terrible coach? Doesn't matter who it is. Nagy. Remember the old the old CFL guy they had who was like a teacher with the weird glasses? He was like an offensive guru. They got this guy, like Eberflus, Eberflus. You read his last name, you can't pronounce it. That's not a head coach last name. I'm sorry. You're not going to win with Matt Eberflus. And then you got Justin Fields, who's getting shut out. They force-feed Kelsey to go up by 40. And they show Taylor Swift screaming, let's fucking go, chest-bumping people, banging on the on the, uh, on the the windows. At some point, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you have to think to yourself, this is it. I have to kill myself. Like, if that happened in the Eagles, I would kill myself. Eberflus. Eberflus. It sounds like... Eberf- like uh- it sounds like one of like the uh, quartermasters for like the houses uh, in in uh, Hogwarts for for Harry Potter. I was gonna say it kind of sounds like a dental appliance. Like, oh, you, did you use your Eberflus today after flossing? <laughs> like, oh yeah, use my Eberflus, the electric flosser flusser. Like, that's the guy you're expecting to beat like the Chiefs with Taylor Swift in attendance. They just beat the fucking brakes off the Bears. So that's the, that's that's the first thing I find funny about the whole situation. Like, thinking about it if you're, like, a Chicago fan. The second thing was fucking Bill Belichick, dude. This guy never talks about anything but football. But, of course, he wades into this when somebody asks him a question. So, Belichick actually went to her concert. This is the funniest thing. I don't know if people realize this. He went to her concert at Gillette earlier this summer, the Eras Tour. And uh, and I guess it started raining, and they, somebody asked Belichick about her after the uh, after the concert, and it was like he was talking about a player. Man, she's tough. You know, she's out there in these elements, out there performing to her best. Like it was like you're literally talking about a guy who's playing in like a foot of snow. It was incredible. So then they ask him, they're like, uh, uh, Bill, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, Travis Kelsey? Uh, and, and Taylor Swift and like Belichick, you know, normally is all gruffly and, you know, we're on to Cincinnati or what have you. And uh, he actually answers, says, you know, Travis Kelsey's made a lot of big catches in his career, but this might be the biggest. That's gold. <laughs> it's just so good. It's crazy that that that's that's what brings it out of old old Billy B. That's wild. Um, it's bringing it out of you too, Bob. I, 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 you know, I see a big grin, and you're, you're fired up and weighing in, and and you know, following along with with the hype train. I, I, I like it. I, I like to see this energy out of you. I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I, I think hopefully these people can kind of just, uh, you know, get to know each other outside of the limelight, and 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 uh, hopefully it progresses in a positive fashion. Um, but the level of pressure. Uh, that the media is putting on this particular relationship already is like unbelievable. And I think, I think Travis Kelsey's up to, up for it. The question is, is Taylor Swift up for it? G? Wow. And let me give you, don't ask <laughs> the Swifties that man. Let me give you the news article that I saw. It was published. Uh, it was published this morning. This is quite possibly one of the funniest things I've ever read. Native American group hopes Taylor Swift's influence could end tomahawk chop during Chiefs games. (laughs) What? All right, here we go. And I quote, We remain hopeful that an outside influence like Ms. Swift 
could be an ally for us in moving the conversation forward on why the chop is a racist act. To us, the hand gesture is synchronized racism. We implore Ms. Swift <laughs> to take the time to understand our perspective and scientific to understand our perspective and the scientific and psychological research into the harm to youth and communities caused by such behavior. So again, there's going to be a lot of public pressure on these folks. All of a sudden, we're now imploring Ms. Swift to end the chop. I mean, imagine if she dated a guy on the Braves. Imagine, I mean, God forbid, what if Travis Kelsey played for FSU? It would have been a double chop. What if he played for Rutgers? That's a different kind of chop. Yeah, I did the wrong chop on the uh, cap in college football with, with Bad Parks. I realized that watching the video back. But, yeah, that's, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, I don't know that people realize, like, the can of worms that's being opened with this whole situation. And um, it's covered on every every single broadcast about the NFL now. So, a little crazy. Uh, but, you know, from my seat, I think it's just uh, – sit back and, and watch and enjoy and wish them the best. I think that's that's all I can do, man. Yeah, and I mean, and I, I said it on last week's show, I, I stick and this was before the, the, the uh, you know, introduction of the world as them potentially dating, but like, you know an international superstar like that, 1000% needs to be with like a stud, like athlete. I'm sorry, not some like nerdy dude from a band, over in England or 19, was that dude the 1975 never even heard their music like who is this guy like it's just this is just how things are supposed to work in life that's it but the people in Philly will tell you and I think they pointed this out last night we've got the better Kelsey Swift duo in Philadelphia baby with zero and 62 <laughs> and you know what hard to disagree Hard to disagree. I don't disagree, man. I'm glad we've we've got we've got that end of the the Kelsey Swift um, saga, and, and I think that that'll take us to uh, some thoughts on our three and Philadelphia Eagles as they dispatched the Minnesota Vikings. That was last week. They dispatched the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, on a rainy Monday night at Raymond James Stadium by a score of twenty five. 2-11 to move to 3-0 and uh, ahead of the NFC East opener uh, at home against Washington on Sunday. Bob, I wanted to get your thoughts on something that leads kind of pregame uh, before we dive into this game. Um, so obviously we lose Avante Maddox, sounds like for the season, right? He goes on IR, surgery, the whole nine. And I'm reading stuff on Twitter uh, Sunday, Monday, during the day. The whole world knows that James Bradbury is moving into the slot to to cover Godwin and that, that Josh Job is is playing outside corner and starting there. And you saw early in the game Tampa Bay trying to attack Job. Did you like give any thought to that leak and like how does that happen and is that problematic? Because that, that just kind of raised like a red flag in my eye. Yeah, I wonder where that came from. I didn't see that pregame, but in Sirianni's um 
press conference at the beginning of the week, I should say the beginning of last week, that question came up and he kind of skirted around it and said, there's some competitive advantages to not answering that. So I'm curious where that came from. Is that something that came out, you know, just before pregame? I don't think it matters. I mean, you're going to put big play on Mike Evans to get torched and drop INTs, and then you're going to move Job over to the second guy and Bradbury to the slot. I mean, it is what it is. The competitive advantage is is basically one game, but it is a little bizarre how it came out early if, if what you're saying is accurate. Yeah, I definitely saw it. Uh, leading up to the game and I just I just found it to be odd but I feel like we always start on offense Uh, I think we have to start on defense in this game the offense uh, is what it is still some bumps in the road but this defensive line uh, Jalen Carter I don't know that I gave him enough love last week or in week one this guy is unbelievable Uh, by far the best best player in the draft Uh, could be the best player on the team uh, probably the best Jalen on the team right now. Um, and like, regardless of what happened in the secondary last night, it didn't matter because this defensive line was was eating all night. I totally agree. And <clears throat> I forget if I was texting you or somebody else, but I, I I've seen it. I've seen all that I need to see with Carter. I provided the guy stays healthy. In my opinion. You can tell when you see a guy playing football. Like, this guy is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. I'm sorry. Like, you you see a guy who's a rookie, who's 22, 23 years old, coming into the league, taking on double teams, blowing them up in the backfield, forcing safeties, the ability to, to turn around in pursuit and literally, like, peanut punch a ball out as a 315 pound lineman in 90 degree heat 101 degree feels like temperature on the field and this guy is playing with that kind of effort holy shit dude this this dude looks like a hall of famer g yeah i rode on on the old x last night and and hopefully it didn't come off as a slight to to javon hargrave but i wrote like where are all the experts that said like the Eagles are going to miss Javon Hargrave? I mean, it's it's a reload, and I I don't want to you know go to the comparison yet of of who's better and and everything like that. Um, but I haven't thought once about Hargrave in these first three weeks watching Jalen Carter, uh, and not only like being double teamed. You see the plays that he's even getting in the backfield. He's getting held. They're not calling the holds. This guy gets doubled or held on every play, and he's blowing it up. Uh, and the relentless pursuit that you mentioned, I know it was chasing Baker uh, on a play where he rolled and, and overshot Godwin in the corner of the end zone, so great impact on that throw. Uh, it's just it's unbelievable to watch this kid play football. The motor, uh, obviously the concern was maybe effort or, or attitude. Uh, I'm not seeing any of that thus far. And I think that's a testament to – a couple things, um, the Eagles and the type of homework they did on the kid, because obviously there were some off the field concerns with the tragedy that occurred uh, down at Georgia. But the other issue was the effort, as you mentioned, and clearly with him dropping in the draft, I think that has something to do with it. Like if this guy goes one one and he's not held to account for what occurred, 
you know, is he playing with this effort or because he dropped and he's with the team that just made the Super Bowl and basically tells the guy, look, pal, like we need you to come in and be a professional. And he's surrounded by like the Fletcher Coxes of the world. Is there more of a chip on his shoulder? Is there more of a responsibility to prove them right? I think it goes both ways. It's it's on the franchise doing the right things and taking the player. And it's on the player holding up their end of that bargain and their end of that commitment. So, man, it's just... I, I can't remember a defensive lineman this good on this... I mean, we're probably a little too young for, for, for Reggie White. Um, but the way this guy throws opposing offensive lineman reminds me a little bit of that. And clearly... Uh, you know, plays a different position on the line, but holy hell, G. And, and I, I think it's it's might have masked a little bit of, of Jordan Davis's progression in, in year two. Uh, I think they said 6'6", 340 on the broadcast last night. And then you hear them say Jordan Malata, 6'8", 360. I mean, we just have monsters in the trenches. It showed throughout the game last night, obviously, the way they ran the ball, the way they blew things up on defense. Um, but like Davis, he's swallowing up run plays. Uh, e- even, even Allison's like watching the game with me for a little bit. I sent her upstairs cause we weren't doing well. She comes down when Hertz throws the pick on the game. Well, I said, go back upstairs. We get it right. But even she sees Davis eat up uh, Rashad white on like a run play. And she's like, man, I can't imagine what it feels like to be tackled by that guy. And then we, we, we throw the pick in the second half down at the one. And they they said Brandon Graham was t- talking trash to the Bucks when they came out. Was like, yeah, you guys better not run this ball. And we're all texting like, they better not run it. And I think Aikman was even like, they should take a shot here. Like, shouldn't shouldn't run into this. I mean, Davis and Carter might have eaten four guys on that play to allow. I don't know if it was one of the backers or one of the safeties to get in and and make the tackle in the end zone. But these guys are are just absolute monsters. It's a total problem for the opposition. I totally agree. When when he when he threw that when Jalen threw that ball up to Smitty and it got picked and it was a you know, he's given his receiver a chance and you gotta tip tip your cap to the to the safety for coming over the top and making a nice play there. Literally my first reaction, uh, and I texted this, if not to you, to some folks, I said, No worries, Carter's just gonna blow this up. Like it it is unbelievable. And, and and the thing that I love about this defense, G, and I know there's on the back end, it doesn't always look great at times, and they're, they're still kind of finding their footing, particularly with the injuries. I, ju- I just think this guy, Desai, has a little bit of a different handle on this than Gannon. Like, he's not so content to play off and, and and rush for not that you need to rush more with this fucking defensive line, but I just think when push comes to shove, when the Eagles need to stop, it's not gonna be the JG let me get down and, and try to stop you before you kill me by a thousand paper cuts. I think this guy Desai has a few more wrinkles and now you couple it with this D line dude. Oh my god. I had the same thought watching the game last night. Like Desai, like there's just a different aura about this defense when you watch uh, compared to the, the soft JG defenses that that we grew to know. Um, offensively, I was frustrated in the first half. I know you were frustrated. 
in the first half. Obviously, they mentioned Hurts dealing with some flu-like symptoms. Uh, A.J. Brown said he, he had some talkies on Sunday and his, his tummy was hurting on Monday. He said that post-game. Um, but I got I to gotta look at B.J., uh, and he's going to be BJ until he stops blowing as the offensive coordinator because uh, what we saw in the first half was was kind of a debacle. You're, you go to the locker room up thirteen to three. I thought it could have been like a game last year, you know, like a, a game with Steichen where you go to the locker room and it's twenty four three or twenty eight three, and and then you're walking through the second half. We go to the locker room thirteen to three. It sh- it should have been should have been twenty eight. Uh, the offense looks good between the twenties for the most part, and then you get inside the red, and it's a complete disaster. Uh, they get away from what's been working. They call some odd ass runs with Jalen, uh, and the other thing that really bothered me was that the end of that first half. So Hertz throws the pick uh, on the little—I uh, don't know what you call that route—to Gainwell, where he cuts back over the middle. Seemed like a miscommunication. Is what it is, right? That shit happens. Then Carter makes the play. And we get the ball back, 24 seconds, three timeouts. We're, I think we're in plus territory, and there's no aggression whatsoever. You're up 10-3, to three, you have an opportunity to make it 17-3 and get the ball back, and we're running the ball with, with Gainwell when Swift has been the breaker. And I, I'm, not, I'm not anti-Kenny G, but it's very clear that Swift is the guy right now. We go to Gainwell, and we, we throw a dunk to A.J. Brown, two yards. that has to get reviewed whether he stayed in or not. I mean, you have the lead. Your defense is eating. Why are you not aggressive there? Uh, I just I was really frustrated with the play calling in the first half for sure. And then it, it's been three games. There's been no design runs for Jalen. You have 15 seconds to press the ball into the end zone on third down and then kick it if you don't get it. Or if you catch it short, pop a timeout and take another shot. They run a quarterback-designed run to pick up a first down. It was the strangest sequence. And then and then I'm screaming, just kick it. Just fucking kick it. Because I have no confidence in this guy, Brian Johnson, to look at his menu and pick a play that isn't going to get fucked up. Right? So then we're running a, a, a throw. We're, we're running a route with A.J. Brown ca- potentially catching the ball at the two with no fucking timeouts. And two or three seconds left. Like, how is that the play call? It, it seems like, and, and, and we saw this before Steichen, it seems like the big plays the Eagles are making are backyard plays at this time. Like, aside from the run game, I'm talking about strictly the pass game. Like, the throw Hurts has to Zacchaeus. Like, it seems like he kind of modified that route. Hurts made a hell of a throw. There's no schematic that's kind of getting these guys open. There's nobody running wide open. And it seems like disjointed. Like, there's no concept to any of this. And I have to put that at the hands of the OC. I have to put it on his fucking play calling, too. There's no rhythm. It's really odd to me, too, because this guy worked under Steichen, right? He was the quarterback's coach. I mean, why why do we need to reinvent the wheel? Why can't we do what, what worked? And, I, you know, I know maybe... Some of that's on tape and defenses are a little bit more prepared and there's a, a buffer uh, or, or a period of time for them to like adjust with, with the new coordinator and stuff like that. So may, maybe that plays a part. Um, but I, I'm, I'm driving around over lunchtime today and I put on one of the local stations 
And more so, I put it on to hear the people call in, but there were no calls at this time. And these guys are talking about Brian Johnson. And, oh, well, he he was contacted by six teams in the offseason and, and potentially for head coaching interviews. So if he has that kind of reputation around the league, he must be the guy, right? I mean, but I'm sitting in the car thinking, look around this league. Look at all the dog shit around this league. And just because this guy is qualified for interviews makes makes us have to be okay with what's happened these first three weeks with his play calling and for us to to give him the leash to ride it out. I mean, I'm not calling for them to fire the guy, but oh, he he's qualified to interview for a head coaching position in the NFL. So he must have the credentials. He must he must be the guy. Like I totally disagree with that take. I agree. And 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 the thing is and this is not uh, this is not a veiled shot or anything. This is just what it is. This is just the rule. He may very well get many interviews as a head coach candidate. So like to use that as as an ex- not an excuse, but to use that as as uh, a so- social proof for why he needs to be this OC or why we need to respect him as the OC. I have no doubt Jalen has a good relationship with him. I'm just not seeing the continuity in the play calling early on in the season. And hopefully he grows into it. Hopefully that comes along with time. But I called it out in real time, G. First drive out of the half. It looked like Sirianni took over. Did it not? I I didn't notice, but you were not the only person to call that out. Um, Obviously, the group chats are all flying off during the Eagles games but but there were other folks that that thought the same um but I'm I I didn't see any confirmation of that from from anybody like online or anything like that I watched post game live I didn't see any of the beat guy you know again I'm just a lowly podcaster with a full-time job I'm not getting paid to get down there and travel down with the press and ask the questions I didn't hear a question come up about it I didn't hear anyone unless I missed it I didn't hear anyone when Nick Sirianni's at the podium say, Nick, first drive of the second half, we noticed you were on the headset looking at your play sheet and Brian Johnson wasn't. Did you take over play calling? Did that come up at all? I didn't hear it last night. No, I haven't heard it at all yet. And, and I'd be, be curious to know because a lot of a lot of people, a lot of listeners of this show, uh, you know, intent watchers, great fans, smart people, uh, they saw the same thing. So, uh, very interesting, and I thought that was the best drive of the game. Maybe the best drive of the season. Um, so de- <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, and just to talk about Jalen again, I know people, you know, have, have told me that I've been hard on him. Uh, I think Brian Baldinger, uh, if you follow him on any of the socials, he he does film breakdowns like, uh, you know, like Lance Armstrong rides a bike. Maybe, maybe a bad comparison, but like. He he demonstrated the point that I feel about Hertz, and I think it was most evident last night. So we've talked about twenty-one Hertz. You know, uh, loses his sight down the field quickly, looks to evade the pocket, get, get the hell out of there. But then, like on the throw to to Zacchaeus, he stood in. He he stayed in the pocket for five or seven seconds, takes a hit, and and lays out an incredible ball. Uh, and there were a few other instances where he stood in and hit some guys over the middle of the field. Uh, And there were also instances where he tucked it and ran way too soon. The the blitz was blocked up. Swift did a nice job in pass pro, and Hertz is still looking looking to get loose. So uh, do I put it all on on BJ? 
I put a lot of it on BJ, but I, I put a little bit of little bit of it on Hertz. Uh, but I thought I saw some progress last night in terms of him staying in the pocket, even though the pressure's coming. It's picked up. He stood in and he threw some really good balls. So I, I think it was a step in the right direction for him last night, even though he was feeling ill. Yeah, and he's got he's got so many guys to spread the ball to, like uh, Smitty and, and Brown and Goddard and 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 the fourth guy Zacchaeus. And 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 after watching Alameda, I'm prepared to say I'm I'm fucking done with Quez Watkins, like. Like, why the fuck are we talking about Quiz? Oh, Quiz is a three, and Quiz can't go, so now Alamine's going to go. I've seen enough. I've seen enough, okay? Quez Watkins can fucking kick rocks. Covey can be the fourth or the fifth or whatever the hell it is. I, I'm fucking done. We have a serviceable enough slot guy now that appears to be shifty, that appears to know where, in a, in a scramble drill, where the fuck to run to. Hint, Quez, in the fucking Super Bowl, run to the goddamn end zone, you dumb idiot. <laughs> yeah, I, Zacchaeus did get open on, on the uh, the sideline on one of those those scrambles, and, and Hurts hit him for a big gain. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Hurts was, was a little uneven. You don't like to see the turnovers, but I think the biggest thing for him is, is trusting the protection standing in there uh, and, and just letting it fly. So I think we'll see more of that uh, as the season goes on. And I, I do think the pass pro was a little better last night too. Yep. Yeah. And I think uh obviously you got you gotta give flowers to the O line, uh pass pro and, and and run block, uh swift, uh running through some of these holes and, and just chunking it up so good. Uh the last thing I wanted to point out, and you pointed it out or you called it out, and then I, I totally agreed in, in real time. Uh I think the Eagles are up. I don't know if it was 20, I think it might've been 22, three, um, maybe the second to last drive of the game and it's third and goal. They're down at the two and they kind of line up in, in the, in the somewhat of a tush push look. They have Calcaterra in motion behind Hertz and then they fake it and he stumbles and he falls and they kick the field goal. And you said it, you texted it. I think Troy Aikman said it. Aikman Why? said it too. Why are you bringing that out up 19 in the fourth quarter when like that tush push is your bread and butter? And then if you ever need to go away from it, like, why are you putting that on film? Why are you bringing that out when the game's already decided? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would argue it it would be like if um, the Florida Gators and Tim Tebow busted out the jump pass against Vanderbilt up by 50. Yeah. Why? Like, Oh, great. It worked. But you need to save that. Now, maybe teams are going to plan for it now that they've seen it. Maybe that helps with the with the push. But yeah, I don't know, man. I just think that again is that Brian Johnson? Like, who's calling that? Oh, I guess we we're going to work this in and see if it works. No, dude, come on, have a have a pulse, have a read. Bj, Bj, yeah. Um, so Eagles moved to three and zero. Obviously, Tampa Bay was two and zero, but. I, I don't think much of that team. They are one of the stronger teams against the run and up front defensively. Uh, so I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, obviously, we know what the Eagles offensive line is and, and the run game, but to do it against a team that statistically is pretty good against the run and, and has a strong defensive front uh, gives me some, some good confirmation about uh, what the Eagles are doing in that area any other thoughts on on, on the game last night 
no no additional thoughts on the game, but since since TFTS has a bit of a reputation for talking about the broadcast, I, I do have a couple thoughts on that if uh, if if I can humor you. <clears throat> Um, we're oftentimes known as, you know, the negative folks who just bitch about the broadcast. And I just want to say, last night was just a, just a treat with the booth. Okay, so, so what I mean by that, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, I thought from start to finish they were excellent. Excellent. And it's like, is it, is it that hard to expect excellence from, from someone who is working on national television? I give them a lot of credit. Aikman, despite being a Cowboys quarterback, I've always liked Aikman. I think Aikman is excellent. And I just think it's so funny, this little kind of, uh, how should we put this? This little kind of like jabbing that he has back and forth with like the Philadelphia fan base where he said early on in the game, he's like, yeah, a lot of Eagles fans here. We know they travel well. I saw a lot of them out there and they had some colorful language for me. He said it like, like as soon as the game started. <laughs> literally just hilarious. And true, like, Aikman would be a guy where if, if I saw him on the street, you know, I'd say, I'd say, look, Troy, you know, big Eagles fan, couldn't stand you as a player, but keep, keep up the good work, man, because you, you do an excellent job in the booth. And, and uh, I, I almost see him as like, as like a guy, you know, Eagles fans can definitely like get along with because he, he calls it as he sees it. He's not a homer for the Cowboys either. Um, and, the, and then Joe Buck, right? And, and he's got a reputation of, being anti-Philadelphia and just kind of is what it is when you're calling so many big games and you're perceived one way versus the other. But, you know, Joe Buck, I thought last night, and this is, this is a personal thing, and gee, you may, you may feel differently because it's not your high school. Joe Buck, man, I mean, he was just slathering the love on for the prep. And he's the only national broadcaster, because I heard it on Saturday uh, or or uh, I heard it, I think, from Herb Street, uh, where he, he was calling uh, with McCord. He was calling it St. Joe Prep. St. Joe Prep. Like it, like, it's a, like it's a guy from Delaware County who sends her kid to, like, O'Hara or Bonner. That's, like, what, what a Bonner parent does. Like, Johnny doesn't have the grades to get into St. Joe Prep. That's how they say it. So he's going to go to Bonner, right? Joe Buck just nails it. Just freaking nails it. St. Joseph's Prep. Just nails it. Leaves it at that. Nails it with Swift. Zacchaeus makes the catch. Another graduate of St. Joseph's Prep. I mean, I don't know if a school had a better weekend. Like, I really don't. Is there a high school in the country that had a better weekend than St. Joseph's Prep? Big win at Notre Dame. Big win Monday night. I mean, talk about just like national exposure from superstar players all over the field. Unbelievable. So, I just want to give... It's not an official flower. I'll give, you know, maybe just a little sunflower to, to, to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and the crew. Nah, I, I think everything that you said is is agreeable. I think I think I would have the same sentiment towards Aikman. Like, hey, man, big Eagles fan, but you're the, you're the best in the biz. Like, got got to tip the cap and, uh, you know, enjoy. Always enjoy your call. And I, I, I don't get the Joe Buck hate. I feel like I used to be that guy. Um but I've heard him do like interviews on other podcasts and stuff like that, and he just seems like a total dude. And he calls all these all these big games and has great calls and big moments. So uh, I'm a I'm a Buck guy, uh, even though I'm not not an S- St. Joe Prep guy. <laughs> I will say the producers there. I mean, 
it goes to show you, right? Like we, we we talk about T Mac all the time. We go, well, the producers don't don't give him a chance. Well, you know, like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did a great job last night when the producers were actively fucking up second and third down in big moments, and we're going to a picture in picture split screen. What is going on? I I put that on the on the Instagram story last night. Like if I wanted to watch the Bengals Rams, I would have flipped the channel. I don't need the double screens on third and six at the end of the first half when it's still like a close game. I mean, you you would have thought it was championship weekend, and they were showing you that the AFC championship game was about to kick off, and no, oh, we'll go to this coverage, you know, at the at the at the end of this game. It's fucking Monday night between the Bengals and the Rams. I don't want to watch Joe Burrow on, on his bad leg throw fifty five balls. Uh, and watch both teams kick seven field goals. Yeah, I, I don't need the ticker in the top left corner acting like it's March Madness and Princeton's about to knock off fucking Duke in like the first round. I don't give a fuck. No, it it's frustrating. Um, but yeah, just to cap, cap off off the game, nine minute drive, killing clock. Uh, I think some some college teams could have used a little edumacation on, on that. Oh my God! This weekend, uh, as the Eagles take on Washington on Sunday, we'll look forward to that. Uh, but the Clemson Tigers, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, they could have used not a nine-minute drive, but maybe, maybe a two-minute drive, maybe a three-minute drive to to close a game down. We had, we had a huge, huge weekend of college football. Obviously, we went on with Maniac Malloy and Bat Parks uh, to preview that last week on YouTube. Great time, great opportunity. Thank you to those folks for having us. Um, but what a Saturday it was. I mean, obviously the weather called for it, but I spent my entire weekend in my basement watching football both Saturday and Sunday, and it was pretty glorious. Even Sunday, despite like the lack of big TV games, I thought thought there was enough entertainment on Sunday as well. But Saturday, uh, what a day. I got the YouTube TV free ad for them, and they, they do the four screens. So we had Clemson, Florida State, Rutgers, Michigan at, at 12. We had Oregon slamming Colorado at 3.30, and Bama looking like Bama again, killing my old Miss pick. Um, crazy day. I don't know where you want to start, Bob. I know, I know you had some some thoughts on the Irish, uh, so I guess, I guess we'll go there, but uh, t- two of the biggest throwaways uh, of games I've seen in a long time between Clemson uh, losing to Florida State in overtime, missing like a 30-yard field goal. I know it was a could have been a Hollywood ending for the kid that they called off the street to be the kicker last week. Uh, and then the Irish just could not or refused to run the ball uh, to, to kill some clock after it felt like they gashed uh, Ohio State for most of the night on the ground. So what, what what do you want me to do, Jay? Do you want me to just just go? I mean, I I have no thoughts on Florida State and Clemson. Do you want me to just talk for about twenty five minutes about Notre Dame and this fucking abomination of a program? Well, can I can I get one more thing in? I know go you, ahead. you please you do. Like, you like to talk about James Franklin and punting on third down. I mean, how about Marcus Freeman, man? Se- seven seconds, last two plays of the game, and he's got ten guys on the field. Does, does he? Does Marcus Freeman know that you play football with eleven guys on the field? <laughs> Well done. And here's what I'll tell you about that. I've seen all I need to see. He'd be gone. I, he'd be on the street today if I was the athletic director. Let me tell you what I would be doing if it was athletic director bomb. Touchdown Jesus would be painted black. He'd have a gold chain around his neck and a freaking cowboy hat on his head. 
We'd be rolling out to Boulder, Colorado and saying, Prime, you just got boat raced by Oregon. It ain't going to work. Come coach at Notre Dame. Okay, wow. that's what I would do. All right? And I'm prepared to totally change the image of that school because I've seen all I need to see from Marcus Freeman to know he's not the guy. Okay? I just don't get it. I know you and I talk about this all the time, G, about like how head coaches, particularly in college, have no fucking clue how to manage a game. Like, if you've played Madden or NCAA football or even just watch games for 14 hours every weekend, you have a better handle on how to run the clock, how to use timeouts, how to how to make the other t- team burn timeouts. So let's talk about four things that occurred in the final two and a half minutes that I think if one of them occurs, it's a fireable offense. He hit on all four. <laughs> okay? So they're they're absolutely pounding the rock. They are I mean they look like the Eagles with DeAndre Swift. Estime is looking so good. He's he, this guy's unbelievable. He's pounding the rock. O-line is just moving people. And we decide, I mean, it, it, is Brian Johnson calling the place? I don't know what's going on. We decide to run that Fugazi kind of like fake handoff counter action that looked okay in the first half. They ran it one time in the first half, and the only reason it worked is because the back bounced it around the back end and was able to make you know, chicken salad out of chicken shit. We run that on first down. And get blown up in the backfield. Hartman takes, you know, doesn't even get the ball into the back's hand. So, so, so now it's second and fifteen, and I'm texting everybody. They can't throw. Just fucking run it. Just run it twice and make them burn timeouts and give it to them with a minute twenty left and no timeouts and a, and a first time road starting quarterback go go to go down seventy yards with no timeouts in a minute twenty. And I get the clock stops. I get I get all that. But what do we do? We run a fucking screen. And the thing is, I, the thing I can't understand is Todd, you know, again, everything comes back to Penn State. This Todd Blackledge is a fucking idiot, too. Oh, they, they thought they were going to complete it. It's a high percentage play. Yeah, no shit. Fucking Ohio State knew they were going to call a screen. They had it snuffed out. It was almost a pick. So now you run a, you, you run a second down play, and, uh, and, and Ohio State gets to keep their, their timeout. Third down, you know, they run it, and a timeout gets burned. So now Ohio State has the ability to get the ball back with like a minute 25 and a timeout. We can't even get the fucking punt team to get a punt off on time. Play clock winding down, all of a sudden it's a false start. False start, back them up another five. And at that point, at that point, I knew it was over. I knew knew it was done. Um, And then Ohio State gets the ball. They start moving the ball. And I just, I hate when teams do this, the defensive timeout. When the other, you have the other team on the fucking ropes. And you and you pop a defensive timeout on fourth and eight. Oh, we, we, we wanted to get into the red car. The fuck do you think the offense wants to do? They have, they have a guy who's starting for the first time on the road. And he gets to walk over to his coach who fucking dyes his beard like a dickhead. And say, hey, Coach Ryan, what should we run? Well, let's run a little crosser right to the sticks. That looks like a good play. We'll run Harrison down the field, run everybody off, and we'll hit hit the first down. So I just don't understand why teams do this. They pop a timeout and give the offense like the ability to take a breath 
think about it and get into their play call with their personnel. Makes no fucking sense. So now you have no timeouts. No fucking timeouts. And then the 10-man on the field thing. The 10-man on the field thing is inexcusable. I mean, obviously as a viewer, I'm not sitting there counting up the defenders. But in real time, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, where's the goal line package? They got, you know, like, it was like two or three down linemen. I mean, in Madden, right? You play Madden, you play NCAA football, and it's fourth and goal or whatever. I mean, I'm fucking dialing up like a pump block. I mean, I got the whole fucking, pe- like the whole row of people there. You know what I mean? The gun- field goal safe zone. <laughs> field goal safe zone, pump block. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it's like, let's clog this shit up. And, and, and no, no Dame looked like, I mean, it looked like they were running prevent defense. They had their safety in like the third row of, of the, you know, he's down near touchdown Jesus outside the stadium and no D-line. And, and to have that happen once is is inexcusable to have it happen twice is 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 fireable and then he says well we we didn't want to we didn't want to give them an advantage by taking a penalty we didn't want to give them another foot to get an 11th guy out there it it's inexcusable and then this week he says this is this is the thing that just drives you up a wall when he says you know we've thought about it and you you either learn or what's the thing you either win or you learn you know no, I'm sorry. You're the head coach in Notre Dame. So what he's doing now is they now have a signal. Tell me when you're ever going to use this signal, G. They now have a signal when they want their D-lineman to come into the neutral zone and cause an encroachment when they're missing an 11th guy. How about this? How about this, Marcus? How about just have 11 guys in the fucking field? <laughs> okay, now we have a signal, which we'll never use ever again. I mean, when when's it going to be fourth and a foot from the goal line? I mean, it was Reggie Bush... Push play 2.0, saw it coming from a million miles away. You were on the text chain with the Maniac, where Maniac had Wazoo and Notre Dame, Moneyline, Outright, Parlay. And I'm screaming at him, cash out, cash out, slamming on the bucks. This game's over because Marcus Freeman ain't the guy. They got to they gotta go in a totally different direction. That hurt to watch. Uh, and and I'm, I'm no Notre Dame guy, but obviously I'm, I'm anti-Ohio State, anti Ryan Day, and you you laid it out perfectly. Um, but like, what was that Notre Dame defense on, on that last drive before it got to the one? Obviously, the kid drops the pick. I think it was two. He was un- underneath one of those crossers, hit him right in the hands. And then the play before the two at the goal line, like, how do you allow a guy to catch the ball right right at the one? It was like they were playing all the D backs at the goal line. When there's still like fifteen or twenty seconds left, but if if you if if your feet if your if 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 your heels are, are are on the goal line and you're and you're in basically that sticks Jim Schwartz defense and the sticks in this instance are the goal line, how are you not able to drive on a football that's thrown eighteen twenty five yards away? Like that's the thing that's astonishing to me is where were where where were they beginning their uh, their drive on the football? Where were they were they like back like in the first row that's the thing that's like astonishing to me because if you're protecting the goal line how is it possible that you can't drive on that football and knock it down it was bad it was really bad but i did i did say on x october 21st the irish faithful and the nittany lion faithful will come together to cheer on the nittany lions when they go to Columbus. So really looking forward to that one. But 
I apologize, Bob. It, it, it hurts. I know you had the money line, but you had the three and a half. You I, had had the three, the I told you, the money line was a sprinkle. Three and a half was the play. The hook, the hook was, was huge. That was the official play. So so good play there. Uh, it was just wild because Penn State's were out in Iowa, and I turn it on. I turn on Notre Dame, Ohio State, like as Ohio State calls that end around on their second to last possession on fourth down. Just a, a genius play call by Ryan Day. Um. But, yeah, I mean, we all saw what Penn State did. They routed Iowa. It was a total joke. Um, Gee, is there b- – before you mention Penn State, do we want to address the Ryan Day postgame comments? I mean, that's my bone to pick of the week. All right. F- fair enough. We'll we'll get to that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to elaborate on Penn State, but I you texted me. It made me feel pretty good, Bob, to get the, the pat on the back. Um, but if, if you didn't see – my breakdown on Penn State was my only winner on, on the Cap and College football show. Um, the breakdown was pretty much what took place uh, at Beaver Stadium Saturday night. I won't go in on uh, Gary Danielson and, and the CBS uh, team that broadcasted that game. All I'll say is it's nice to hear the CBS music and see the whiteout until you have to listen to, to the performance of Gary Danielson in the first half there. Um but no, great win for Penn State. Obviously dominated, uh, shut out, held them under 100 yards, all this good stuff. Um, a good September with, with Northwestern uh, to, to close the books on another successful September for James Franklin. We'll move into October where it usually tends to get a little little bit dicey. Uh, we're going long here, Bob. Do you want to go through with Bones and Flowers? Are you good to go? Yeah, of course. All right, let's go. Let's do bones to pick of the week. Uh, you you teased it. Uh, my bone to pick this week is not only with Ryan Day, uh, but also Jake Dickert, uh, the coach of Washington State. And I guess they both fall under the same umbrella. Um, but obviously, Ryan Day, after they get the win, he's on the field. I think it's Catherine Tappen with NBC. And she asks him some sort of question, and, and all he, he goes right to Lou Holtz. He goes right to Lou Holtz, the old, and I hate to say it, but likely dying man, Lou Holtz, uh, who who said earlier in the week that Ohio State's been soft the last few years. They've gotten pushed around against Michigan, which is nothing short of true. Uh, Catherine Tabin asks Ryan Day a question after a big win on the road, and the first thing he says is, I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is at right now. Hey, just I mean, finished a glass of Geritol when he's in bed. Like, what the fuck do you mean? I mean, just a a, a total joke. Uh, as if, like, nobody's ever made a joke or provided analysis or said something negative about a team before. And Ryan Day is like a man on fire going off about Lou Holtz and his comments. Um, I, I, I don't like to say things like this, but I think Ryan Day might need help. Uh, based off his reaction uh, to those to those Lou Holtz comments, um, but you know he took offense to it, and I don't know, you know maybe he's trying to back up his team and fi- fire up the base. Um, but you, you you just beat Notre Dame. You were just gifted a game by Notre Dame that you should have lost. Um, you didn't beat Michigan for the first time in three years. You didn't win the Big Ten championship. You you won a good road game in, in September. Uh, and you're out for blood for, for an old man who who is a legendary coach 
uh, at the opposing school. I thought it was a total disgrace. And then you have this guy, Jake Deckert, the head coach of Washington State. They get the big win over the Beavers of Oregon State. And Lee Corso on college game day uh, joked about the conference realignment and said how uh, the Oregon State-Washington State game was the no-one-wants-us game. Jake Deckert said the no-one-watches-us game. Lee Corso said the no-one-wants-us game because they're two of the teams in the Pac-12 that haven't found the new conference. In fairness to Deckert, he probably couldn't understand a word Corso was saying. <laughs> right, exactly. But So he, he says, oh, I'd like to sit down with Coach Corso and talk about the impact that ESPN has had on conference realignment and, and the impact it's had on our players and our program and their mental health and all this stuff. Coach Corso is nothing but um, a character anymore. You know, he gets he gets the paper, he reads the words, he tries to make it funny with what energy he has left, uh, and it is what it is. And Dickert, you know, wants to talk to him like it's it's a meeting of of international leaders uh, to to end world hunger. I mean, I, I just don't understand how these guys, out of the blue, just took such offense in like this this day and age where Dan Lanning's going off on Coach Prime and, and Coach Prime is doing his thing and everybody's talking, everybody's on the internet, everybody's got an opinion and, and a comment, and and these two coaches want to take it up with, with two two legends of the game that are, are near the end. Uh, I I thought it, it was a, it's a it's a complete. Uh, joke and kind of like takes away from the big wins that both these teams had. Well, it's the prime effect. It's it's these coaches realizing they're they're quickly going to be irrelevant unless they begin cutting WWE promos to stay at the top of the news cycle with Coach Prime. I think that's exactly what this is. And I read a funny tweet, and I'll paraphrase it, and I don't have it in front of me, but I. After it became apparent that Notre Dame, because because the th- the thing with Lou Holtz, right? He basically called them soft, and that's what that's what Ryan Day had issue with. And Holtz said they're going to be able to pound the ball. They did pound the ball. Like yeah. all they had to do was keep running, and they win the game. Like what do you mean? So he took offense to that, and I saw a tweet, and it was so funny when it became apparent that Notre Dame only had ten guys on the field for the last two plays. Someone tweeted something to the effect of like. Big bad Ryan Day come you know gets the win goes right over to the microphone and talks about like how physical his football team after barely breaching the goal line against eleven or against 10, 10 guys yeah it, it makes the whole thing even funnier talking about like we're a tough team we're a tough team like pal you barely screeched across the goal line and it's just like not not so much Dicker, but like day it's not really like gracious at all like i understand lou holtz is affiliated with notre dame but like wouldn't you want to go to the interview and say like this is a huge win for our program we just beat a top 10 team on the road that has a great quarterback and and, and a great offensive line and and we, you know we answered the bell even even though you got gifted the game like you could still spin it in a positive light instead he's he wants blood with Lou fucking Holtz, who's on death's doorstep. It's just so bizarre. And and honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed for Ryan Day. Uh, and I'm embarrassed for, I mean, I'll never be embarrassed for Ohio State when they get embarrassed, but I'm embarrassed for their fans. Um, that that's how their coach carried on. And he doubled down in like the official post game presser about it yep. and said, I, I, I'm with Holt. I, I would like to say some things, but I'll, 
I'll withhold them about Coach Holtz. So ridiculous. And, and, and Lou Holtz has won national championships. What, what, what has Ryan Day done? Other than, other than being gifted the keys to a Ferrari. Yeah, that's that, that's what a lot of a lot of people wrote on the internet too. Was Lou Holtz is one natties? What has Ryan Day done? Um, so somebody in one of the group chats is like, yeah, he's 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 just learned how to carry himself from Urban Liar. So I, I enjoyed that one too. <laughs> uh, Bob, you're bound to pick of the week. Keep this brief. Thursday night football, uh, 49ers Giants. Uh, I see a video of Carissa Thompson introducing um, a gentleman from yesteryear. Uh, You might recall back in the day when this quitter, loser, bum quarterback uh, was in the league playing for the Indianapolis Colts, that there was a Twitter account, I forget the exact name of it, like Captain Andrew Luck, Lieutenant Andrew Luck, and they had a picture of him photoshopped as like a Civil War general or some sort of a revolutionary figure type of thing with the old school, you know, Civil War outfit. And they, you know, kind of like acted like he was like leading his troops into in the war and, uh, you know, writing letters to his mother back on the homestead. And, you know, victory was, you know, came at a cost if somebody, you know, got injured or what have you. And I haven't thought about this guy in forever. He's, in my opinion, dead to me. I don't know why anybody in football embraces him. But yet here we are on a Thursday night after Amazon ponies up billions and billions of dollars to buy a dog shit Thursday night package. And I have to withstand this fucking Stanford loser with a dumb fucking face and neck beard dressed up. Like he's about to reenact the Battle of Gettysburg and he saunters over to the to the set and he's got the dumb hat on and he's, you know, just kind of like looking like a goofball. Just, buddy, like, I'm sorry, you retired. You, you wanted to be Mr. Anonymous. You wanted to go, you know, do your architecture thing or whatever the fuck it is that you do while daddy milks the XFL or whatever other fucking bullshit spring football team needs a commissioner. Just get the fuck out of my life. I'm sorry. Never want to hear from you ever again. Did we say who it was? Yeah, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. It's <laughs> a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's like he's like a he's like an a- actor now or something with that that whole skit. That was that was kind of odd. Um, let's do flowers. We'll do flowers. We'll do pecs. We'll wrap up the show. I'm gonna stay with college football despite. Um, the Miami Dolphins hanging 70 uh, and, and that historic achievement on Sunday afternoon against hate to face Sean Payton and the Dolphins or the Broncos. Uh, I think Payton had choice words as an analyst about, about Tua uh, and his career prospects. So good for Miami, good for Tua uh, and, and love seeing Sean Payton just losing his mind at the media after that game. Uh, we could go Josh Dobbs. You know who who recreated a, a a snippet of Micah Parsons' podcast about oh I'm gonna put Josh Dobbs on a bulletin board, and then Dobbs posts that and then posts him dancing and says go cards. So flowers to the cards as well, and Josh Dobbs for for that clap back. But I'm gonna go to Coach Prime. Um, obviously, the Buffs get smacked at Alton Stadium after stomping on the O uh, and, and the three and O start and everything like that. But uh, I haven't really taken a stance on Coach Prime, I feel like, just yet. I haven't known how to feel. Uh, but I, I always like to 
make a judgment on a man or his character uh, or on, on a team or on anything in the face of adversity. Uh, and I just want to give flowers to Coach Prime for his post-game presser after the shellacking by the Oregon Ducks. Uh, he was super gracious, uh, complimented the, the, the Ducks, Dan Lanning. Uh, people talked about you know Lanning's pregame comments to his team where he said that Colorado's about clicks and the game's not played in Hollywood. It's played on grass. And Coach Prime just, you know, gave a subtle, I keep receipts and, you know, this is the worst we'll be, but uh, God bless him. Uh, so he was super gracious and talked about, you know, picking up his kids, picking up his team, coaching them up and, and being accountable. He said it starts with me. Uh, so I know like the Coach Prime hype is, has been crazy and, and a lot of things in the media. Uh, but I think like that, that was a really great message and, and a gracious defeat that, that he took. And y- you weren't sure, you know, how maybe he takes it when they get their asses handed to them. And, and he took it like a man. So if you can dish it out uh, and you can take it, you're cool with me. So, so flowers to coach prime for that. Yeah. Gee, totally agree about prime. I mean, uh, he said something too, after the game, because I think somebody made a comment about how gracious he was or like, wasn't talking shit in defeat. And I think he made a comment like, yeah, as a player, he didn't really talk a lot of shit about like opponents. He just kind of talked about how great he was. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that he didn't, you know, throw much shade, just kind of like tip his cap, accept the feet and then say, um, you know, thank God you got us now. Yeah, I, I do kind of take issue with like the people that were like saying landing and, and the Ducks might have been disrespectful. I mean... The Buffs came in, they stomped on the O. There's videos of, of their players, you know, telling Oregon that, that they're too small and they're they're gonna run all over them and do all this shit. So like I have no problem with Landing's comments and I have no problem with Coach Prime. I think it's uh I th- I think it adds to the entertainment and like if you're Dan Landing, like you're you're letting the T V network like come in your locker room pregame and capture that. Um that behind the scenes stuff. So they, they should just be gracious that, you know, we're getting that kind of access. Well, and I think that's my point. I think these coaches are overcorrecting for, like, the Dion effect and cutting these kind of WWE wrestling-style promos. Like, Day did it. I think Lanning basically did it. But the issue I have with Lanning isn't with the content of what he said. It's that I know for a fact if those two programs were in the same conference, he would not be talking that shit. Because you have to play them next year and the year after and the year after. And he knows Colorado's coming. I personally had a problem with the comments, not because of the content, but because he's on his way out to the Big Ten. And now he's going to act like a tough guy. And it's going to get real tough for him in the Big Ten, I think. You better hope. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Now, I, I like Oregon's team this year, but he's going to lose uh, the eighth-year quarterback and – have to travel across the country a couple times a year, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Bob, we haven't talked much baseball, but ahead ahead of uh, we're we're ahead of potentially the clincher tonight for the Phils against the Pirates. Getting back to the postseason, we'll we'll be ready. We'll get on Red October um, when it starts up. But I think your flower pertains to our city's baseball team. Yeah, I want to give a flower. So your boy Bomb was down at the game on Friday. As you as you might recall, it was Scott Rowland Appreciation Night or whatever the fuck it is we're calling it. And, um, you know, there was a lot of controversy. Will they boo? Will I boo? Will I cheer? Et cetera. 
I got to be honest with the people. I didn't even make it in by the, by the time of the ceremony. <laughs> I was out in the parking lot having a couple cold ones. So in my mind, that's a fitting kind of salute to Scott Rowland. Um, couldn't stand you when you played for other teams because of how you left the city, but not worth my time to rush in and, and boo. I'll just, I'll just hang out in the parking lot and have a couple beers. But you get into the stadium and the ceremony's wrapping up and you see the guy's face on the big screen as Roland's finishing the speech. And I just want to give flowers. This is more of like a lifetime achievement award, lifetime bouquet, if you will. Dan Baker, like just the best. You know, the voice that he's got. The Phillies welcome you. The Phillies and the Marlins welcome you and thank you for your attendance. Like, the guy is just, he's got an electric voice. And then, truthfully, I don't know what's going on with, like, his health, but he looks like he's had, he has some sort of a, something with his face. I don't know if it's, like, cancer or something. I mean, I, I don't want to make, like, light of anything. I'm just saying, like, it's clearly this guy's just, like, battling. Like, this, this guy is still out there grinding it out. Could be retired, could be done, but no, he's down at the ballpark just grinding it out, giving you the intros, doing all the Phillies Wall of Fame. All right, Fanatic, remove the curtain. Ah, there's the plot. Like, I just got to give Dan Baker like a Lifetime Achievement Award of TFTS flowers. Give him the bouquet. I mean, I just don't think the guy gets enough love in this city. I always he used to do the Eagles, right? So like I thought when uh Oh yeah. I thought it was kind of sad when he when he did away with the Eagles or when the Eagles did away with him, however that breakup took place. I always uh enjoyed him at the link as well. And that's that's no slight to the new guy, but Dan Baker, like you said, is is an absolute legend. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. He's done a lot. And uh guy always shows up. All right, well, if we haven't brought any value to episode 104 here in the last, I don't know what it'll be after the cut, hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, uh, let's hope the final segment of this episode brings some value to the people as it has in the early football season. We have episode 104 football picks. Uh, and just to recap, episode 103 picks, TFTS on the whole goes three and one, two and zero oh for you bomb cashing on the Detroit Lions and the Irish with the hook. Uh, I went one and one, cashing on the Buffalo Bills uh, and losing on Ole Miss plus seven. Uh, brutal second half. I think I just got to I got to do away with Alabama. I can't get a read. I lost on Texas when I bet them. I bet against them with Ole Miss. They shove it down my throat in the second half. Uh, so might have to take a hiatus from betting Alabama games. Uh, but overall, successful. Another episode of Picks last week. We'll look to do the same here. I'm at 5-2 and two overall for the year. 2-2 two and two in college, 3-0 and oh in NFL. Bomb. 6-1, and one, the college football specialist, Mr. CFB, 4-0. and oh. You're 2-1 and one in the NFL. And you want to uh, know the sick part of that, Jay? Yeah. I think I'm down about three grand so far this year. <laughs> like, like, because I can't, I can't help myself. I, I can't bet one game a week. I'll give you the official pick and then I'm betting the rest of the board. And I'm just getting crushed. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously betting more. Uh, I am up on the year. It's not a lot. I'm sticking to uh, my unit per game or units per game, whatever you like to call it. Just a steady, 
steady bets, nothing crazy, maybe a $5 parlay for fun, um, but but sticking with it. I did get courted for a Sunday night football pick uh, in a pretty large group chat. Uh, I was honored that people were looking for my expertise, but I ultimately gave out the Raiders, and we saw how Sunday night football played out. Uh, total disaster, but back on the right side with the Eagles last night. Uh, but let's 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 not talk about all, all, off the pot, off the record picks. Let's talk about our picks for this week. Uh, I'll start because my first pick of the week in college is not on Saturday, folks. It is on Friday night uh, out in Corvallis, Oregon. The Oregon State Beavers, ranked nineteenth, host the tenth ranked Utah Utes. Bomb, you faded the Utes. Uh, on cap and college football last week ultimately didn't work out. I think you were a week early. I think you were a week early. I'm going to fade Utah Friday night in Corvallis. I'm going to take Oregon State, the Beavers. It opened at like one and a half. I woke up this morning. It was three. I did some work. I went to lunch and it was three and a half. So I said, you know what? I have to go with this line. So I will take Oregon State. Minus three and a half. I think uh, if you listened to the YouTube show uh, with Parks and Maniac, I talked about Oregon State a little bit. Uh, they're good in the trenches, run the ball well. It's a very similar uh, style that kind of Utah plays, uh, but we still don't know the status of Cam Rising. Uh, I just like the spot for Oregon State coming off of a loss uh, despite you know playing Washington State tough. Uh, Utah gets kind of an ugly win against UCLA. Uh, I'm not totally sure what they are, and this is kind of like a a read-the-line game for me. I'm going to lay the three-and-a-half with Oregon State Friday night, 9 p.m. Wow. Love it, G. Where are you headed? You know, I feel like I, I just can't give out top 25 games anymore i gotta i gotta give the people some variety i gave you some variety a few weeks ago with the army black knights and their cover um i believe it was outright actually but we took the points um i got a game that people probably aren't expecting and let me give you the reason behind it i don't like the opposing team's head coach Um, This team went on the road between the hedges to Georgia. The UAB Blazers, Alabama-Birmingham, went on the road to Georgia. Okay, and I think the final was like 49-21. All we heard about all week from their head coach, who happens to be none other than Trent Dilfer, Mr. Elite 11 himself, a guy who couldn't, couldn't fucking hit the broadside of a barn, needed Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis and some kickoff returns to get a job done in a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer is now the head coach down at UAB. And all he talked about last week in the lead-up to their game against Georgia was just what a treat it is to play in an SEC environment and just how excited he is. And he said that playing in an SEC game in an SEC stadium to him has more juice than playing in a Super Bowl, right? Not, I don't think, surprising given the corporate influence of the Super Bowl and also due to the fact that, I mean, they just totally worked the New York Giants in the only Super Bowl he was in. So, I mean, Trent, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. 
so 49-21, they hang in, I guess, against Georgia. Not even really sure what that line was, but it seems like your head coach was talking a bit too much about the environment, the the opponent, the circumstances, and they're no longer between the hedges. In fact, they're going on the road to Tulane. The Green Wave, the sick jerseys, conference opponent. It's their first year in the American. Tulane is laying 21 and a half. Lay the points. Green Wave win big. Wow. You know any sucker who isn't like watching is just catching scoreboards? They're looking, oh, they only lost by 28 to Georgia. A hundred percent. Right. So I I like that. And you got to imagine like, I hate saying this, but like they say in the NFL, like teams the week after they play San Francisco are pretty bad against the spread. Like you got to think after you play Georgia, you're, you're licking your wounds a little bit. Um, so kind of, kind of a similar effect. Totally agree. And that's, that's why Tulane, in my opinion, wins big. All right, the green wave. Get your get your surfboards out. We'll ride it. Uh, NFL Sunday. This is a tough board. Um, really tough board this weekend uh, in the NFL. Uh, but I am going to Houston. Uh, the Texans, the big 20-point win over the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. I don't know what the hell Jacksonville is doing right now. Um they host the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are off of another win on Sunday Night Football against the Raiders. Uh, they got embarrassed week one by San Francisco. They scrape one out against the Browns. The Steelers are 2-1, and one, uh, and they look like, you know, they got a little bit of a team. T.J. Watt is healthy. He's a game-breaker. Uh, I look for the Steelers and that defensive line led by T.J. Watt to have a field day on the Houston offensive line. Give me the Steelers on the road at Houston, minus three Sunday at one o'clock. Wow, ter- terrible towel, G. Take them to Houston, baby. We're going to see the towels waving down there. Um, I got a game. It's not a game I even intend to watch. I'm just going to bet it, and I'm going to give it to the people. I think everybody's expecting me to – Go across the pond with the Jags and and uh, and do the Toy Story game. Gee, the Toy Story game. Should we bet the Toy Story? Should we give a Toy Story bet? Not me. You can give the Toy Story bet. I'm not going there. There's too many factors. Oh, dude, Jacksonville. It, something ain't right there, which something is surprising. Ain't right. I don't with, know what's uh, going on. With our boy Doug and, and Atlanta was a team I was a little bit higher on. Like I picked them to win the South, uh, but I don't know what what Desmond Ritter is. I don't even know if he's a, a quarterback. Um, I think can I can I just pass? Can I pass? I, I will. I'll get. I'll give him a bonus pick. I will. Uh, it's not going to count against the record, but a, after your pick, I, I will give one bonus pick because it's 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 for a good laugh. Well, I, I I'm not going the the Toy Story. Call me Spike. Let that game just implode on itself. You know, blow up the toys. Let Andy's mom put the toys in the chest and donate them. I want nothing to do with that game because everyone and their mother is going to want to be on Jacksonville. Let's go to. We just saw my one of my favorite Eagles, former Eagles defensive coordinators. Todd Bowles, who I affectionately used to call Todd Toilet Bowles because of how shitty his defenses were. Let's go to a toilet bowl in the NFL. (laughs) 
Broncos at the Bears. This is where I was going with my bonus pick, so you it's on you now. Broncos at the Bears. I mean, horrific loss from Denver. They lose by 50. They get blown the fuck out. It's clear Sean Payton hates Russell Wilson. And then you have the Bears. I mean, just literally the sideshow, I guess, like the sideshow of the Travis, Kelsey, and Taylor Swift love story. They just, it's like a fucking, I heard somebody compare it to a homecoming game. Like, bring your girlfriends, bring your family, <laughs> just watch a team get fucking killed. That's basically what Chicago was last week. Uh, I don't know who's worse. I really truthfully don't. So when I don't know who's worse, I'm going to have to bet the quarterback and the head coach. And as bad as Russell Wilson has been, he's won a Super Bowl. As bad as Sean Payton has looked, he's won a Super Bowl. I can't stand Justin Fields. I think he stinks. I told you what I thought about Eberflus, the the dental accessory. So I'm going to lay three and a half on the road. Denver Broncos go in to Soldier Field. And I think they may they might lay the boom on the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears are trending towards the number one pick. Take the Broncos, lay the three and a half. They they get in the win column. And I'm I'm on the same side there. Uh, yeah, it it really is the toilet bowl. Uh, just two franchises that are in total disarray. Um, but but the Bears, they can't stop a nosebleed. They have so many injuries on, on defense. Um, Offensively, they're shot. Uh, I think the Broncos, at least, like, you know, it's a gut check, pride. You, you have a head coach, you have a, a quarterback. Um, I, I think the, they'll respond. I, I think the Bears, the Bears is just bad. Uh, you, you see DJ Moore like talking to the other team in those, you know, NFL films clips, and he's like, they're not getting you the ball, man. They're not using you right. And he's like, tell me about it. And then you have the guy on the Broncos, the offensive lineman. I I don't know his name, but they're like, how does it feel losing? He's like, like shit, you know, I've been here five or seven years, whatever it is. And all we've done is lost. Like that's, that's a guy that's hurt. DJ Moore is a guy that's checked out. I think the bears are checked out. I think the Broncos are hurt. I, I, I like the Broncos too there. So that's, that's a good pick. We'll see how the plays pan out because it's been a successful start to the season, but um, you can never get too high. Um, the, the luck does run out, but we do the best we can uh, with the smaller volume this year, picking one game uh, in both college and NFL uh, per week. Any, any last nuggets, comments, questions, concerns? Not for me, Jay. Just, just continue to trust this football team, man. Continue to trust the Philadelphia Eagles. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I agree. If uh, if I was down the first two weeks, I think last night uh, the dominating performance that that gave me something to believe in. It, it looked like a little bit of a get right spot, um, and, and the Eagles dominated as they should against the Bucks. Uh, we'll thank everybody for listening. We'll thank Menard Premium Detailing, um, and we'll wish everybody a great week. As we wait, another Eagles win on Sunday against Washington. 